this looks like a microcosm of America to me. I didn't vote for Obama, um, basically because I couldn't figure out what his agenda was. He wanted to scream, change, 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 change what? Barack Obama was elected in 2008. I was in the depression for a week because I knew the country was going to be even further on the skids than it's ever been. Whenever the legislators endeavor to take away and destroy the property of the people or to reduce them to slavery under arbitrary power, they put themselves into a state of war with the people who are thereupon absolved for, from any further obedience. Every time Obama comes on the TV, which I watch Fox News all during the day, I switch a channel to the Hallmark Channel to figure he's gone, then I switch it back. It's the policies, it's the socialism, it's the Marxism. We are done backing up. Done. This president's willing to be obsequious to our adversaries, to denigrate our allies. It's his core philosophy of being anti-American. It's a lot like uh, Germany, Pro, you know, pre-war Germany, when they said, go Hitler, and then they thought, oh, crap, this guy's insane. Next April, we're going to celebrate the commemoration of the sesquicentennial of the Civil War. And if uh, things don't change sometime during that commemoration, maybe it's going to give folks ideas about starting it up again. I can't pace around the house gritting my teeth and taking Xanax anymore. i got to get out here and, and do what I can. And that way when the purges do start, they'll know who I am and where to come find me. May 4th, 2010. And you've got Oz in your ears. I'm your host, Peter Bergman. My co-host, David Oz. Hi, Pete. My teeth are dreaded. My teeth are dreaded right now. After listening to... Oh, yeah, they're dreaded hard. They're tight, dreaded close. You know, I don't get it, you know? I mean, they're really upset about something. Do you think that those people... You could call it a populist reaction. you think they're angry enough about the banks and about all the fraud to make things happen? There is one good thing. The Republicans were standing firm. They were filibustering again. That's that polished no that they carry around. Yeah, yeah. It's are they well obviously they're really angry the as you know the question is why weren't they angry before why did they wait until now? Um maybe it took it took all, even Fox News couldn't turn away from what it looked like when those Goldman Sachs crap people and the Layman and Wait brothers yeah. were up there obfuscating and not admitting the fact that they are just been defrauding us. You know, it's a wonderful thing. Vikings, of course, sack Huns, sack. sack. Well, now we know that Goldman Goldman's sacks. sacks too. Yeah, it's a, a, a yeah, but when you're dealing in the infra-thin of the stock market, derivatives of things that are, you know, that have no existence, it's truly ones and zeros, right? It's right. all the same ones and zeros world. And, and guys who know how to run the ones and zeros world game the system. There's no question about that. Everybody knows it. That's what they do. If, if they game it by a penny a day on, you know, they're billionaires by the end of the week, these people. Well, there's a difference between gaming, which yeah. I understand, which and is like figuring out the edge. You know, is it technical? Is it, uh, is it, a, is it a Fibonacci wave? Mm. Or is it, you know, is it the moon? You know, or, or is it just because I found out that guy is, you know, like, like cheating? And well, I think, I think I would call that gaming. You call up the guy who's going to invest $10 billion with you, you know, and you say, what would you like to invest in? And he said, these crap stocks. Because they're going to go down. He said, (laughs) (laughs) yes, how many shares would you like to get? You know, and then then the evil email leaks out where the guys say, well, we really, I don't know. We're going to talk to the lawyers again because we're, hmm. Well, you see, the thing is, in in the Great Depression, because I think we're we're entering the great uh, global, let's say, restructuring, particularly <laughs> particularly with the euro going entirely into the tank. The, the global letdown. <laughs> global letdown. Fine. Is it in twenty nine? So we're not, not calling it the Great Depression. Of course, marketing wise, it would have to be the Greater Depression, right? <laughs> that, which means the greatest was somewhere down the, the great line. Great Depression two. Yeah. <laughs> the the sequel. <laughs> Sequels are never as good as the originals. No, no. So in in nineteen twenty nine. The, the collapse came because of overspeculation. Uh, there's a famous story about Bernard Baruch, who was the, the, the big financier, and he had a big home out on Long Island. And he's driving out one day. This is September 2, uh, 1929, September. And he stops to get gas. This little rural gas station guy comes out and says, uh, he says well, fill it up. And the guy's talking. And all of a sudden he talks to, turns to Baruch and says, you know, I sure like that RCA. That's a really good stock. 
And Baruch said to himself, if this man is speculating in stocks, there's a real problem. And he went back and he put all of his stocks into money, cashed them all in. And he was totally liquid when the thing fell. So that was because uh-huh. the little guys were speculating. Mm-hmm. That's not what's happening now. It's because Lehman Brothers, Lehman Brothers are criminals. They put $40 billion on their books that weren't there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Goldman Sachs is saying, hey, widows and orphans, let me sell you this shitty deal. Carl, you know, Senator Levin, I'm just quoting him. I'm just quoting him. Yeah. Thank you, Senator. You know, they're saying that in the Senate now. Claire McCaskill said, shitty deal. So maybe that word is off the seven words list. Who knows? Well, it's been on uh, on. Uh, what's the public, uh, the congressional tube that we, we watch? You know? C-SPAN. Uh, C-SPAN. Well, C-SPAN, if, if yeah. shitty's on C-SPAN, it's good enough for me. There you go. I've been inundated with all these marvelous videos on the web about Goldman Sachs and Lehman Brothers and all the thievery. And, you know, it's, it's the Mumser's Ballet. And I thought, well, I'll gather all of these together and I'll make this really great collage and et cetera, et cetera. And as it comes right down to... Ben Craw did a, a marvelous collage of this, of this event on Huffington Post, and uh, we're going to play it for you right now. Live now to a Senate hearing with former and current executives at the investment bank Goldman Sachs. Good morning, everybody. Our subcommittee's goal is to construct a record of the facts to deepen public understanding. Let me just explain in very simple terms what synthetic CDOs are. It's the la-la land of ledger entries. It's gambling. You are the bookie. You are the house. Wild, wild west. Less oversight than a pit boss in Las Vegas. You think it's so complicated? And you think you're so smart? My name is Fabrice Tour, and I work at Goldman Sachs. If you take a look at the, the following email. Mr. Chairman, there are, there are about eight emails in here. Take a look. It's at a... You have the document. Now answer my question. The amount of this of how much how dubious how am I'm on 155 okay look what your sales team was saying about Timberwolf boy that Timberwolf was one shitty deal Mr. Shitty Chairman deal. shitty deal shitty deal you didn't tell him you thought it was a shitty deal you knew it was a shitty deal it was a shitty deal that shitty deal a shitty deal a shitty deal one shitty deal shitty deal we're gonna stay here as long as it takes who's the driver here who, who made the decision we worked as a team well you work as a team but somebody leads the team who led the team we worked as a team who led the team who was the leader of your team are you implying I, I, that you can only have one person leading teams well uh, I, um, Thank you very much, Dr. Coburn. Senator McCaskill. Most of America does understand what happened. I um, want to make clear that I understand. I want to try to continue with the analogy of you all being the house or the bookie. Most people in America understand about a football bet. I've usually bet on MU versus KU. I went to MU and I care about MU. Whether you're betting in an office pool that's illegal or whether you're betting in Las Vegas. Can I just, instead of using the bookie analogy, just talk about I think your question about profits. You all are the house. You're the bookie. Well, I mean, I don't know why we need to dress it up. It's just a bet. You can say what it want, but it is gambling. I'm not going to go down to bookie and all that line, but yeah. you're basically gambling. Who chose ACA in Abacus? Who chose ACA? Well, if, I, if I may, uh, ACA selected the reference portfolio. ACA. ACA. I say ACA. Why didn't you use ACA? Who is it that picked ACA? Who picked ACA? Oh, ACA, uh, Senator. ACA, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Abacus or Abacus? Abacus, sorry. Abacus. By the way, these are, this is the same one that your folks called shitty, how shitty it was. You know, instead of Wall Street, it looks more like Las Vegas. First of all, Senator Pryor, I, <clears throat> I think most people in Las Vegas would take offense at having uh, <clears throat> Wall Street compared to Las Vegas. <clears throat> that's a fair point. Very good. That's very good. Excuse the language. Shitty. It's inappropriate, and it's also discourteous to us. We're not that stupid. We I'm going to keep using them. that word, shitty. It's a shitty deal. God, what a shitty deal. God, what a piece of crap. We now will call our final witness for today's hearing, uh, Lloyd Blankfein, the Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Goldman Sachs. I look forward to your questions. I'm deeply troubled by shitty deal, shitty transaction, crap loans, piece of crap, piece of crap, crappy securities. Is there not a conflict? In the context of market making, that is not a conflict. The thing that we are selling to them is supposed to give them the risk they want. Yeah, and that's the part that's very confusing to folks. They I think know. You, they think you're fiduciaries. Uh, then, not in the market making context. The people who were 
coming to us wanted to have a security that gave them exposure to the housing market, and that's what they got. This is a shitty deal. This is crap. It's just a function of the price in the market. It's a piece of crap. Well, you're betting against that same security. Senator, you keep using the word betting against. I'm not trying to be resistant, but we to make sure you do your terminology. As a market maker, we are buying from sellers and selling to buyers. But I'm saying where well, you're not selling it to anyone else. You are selling to somebody and you are taking the opposite position you're just not troubled by it that's the bottom line i'm not troubled by the fact that we market make as principal and you want people to trust you senator i think people why would people us. i won't trust you okay I, I, we're, we're going round senator, and round we're going round and round on this i've been talking sports analogies today because i think there's a lot about this that relates to gambling on a sporting event. Claire's right. It's just like betting on a sports event. Going out to Caesar's Palace to the sports book and making a wager on the outcome of an athletic contest. Just like you bet on a football game. Maybe it's not a level playing field. None of that seems like even Steven. None of that seems like you're an honest bookie. It seems like hamsters in a cage trying to get to compensation. I've been sitting here trying to, 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 to really figure out a good analogy. I don't know, we're like we're speaking a different language here. It's not like selling a lame horse that, or an unsound horse. It's not like selling a, a, no, that a bin of corn that's right. been through a cow and you're calling it corn when it's really something else. Right. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to explain it. I'm trying to explain it, and, I'm, and I'm, I wish I were better right, to, to explain it. I, I can tell you that, that um, there's some things in, in my job as a U.S. Senator from Montana uh, that don't make a lot of sense. A bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense. That's the part that troubles me the most, I think. The language junk or crap, crap or junk, and words even saltier than those. If that doesn't concern you, that concerns me, you shouldn't be selling crap. We thank our witnesses, Mr. Blankfein, we thank you. It's been a long day and we stand adjourned. Here's a to-the-point op-ed by Simon Johnson. Most days we can coast along confident that tomorrow will be much like yesterday. On a very few days, we need to look hard at the news headlines, click through to read the whole story, and then completely change a large chunk of how we thought the world worked. Today is such a day. Everything you knew or thought you believed about the European economy and the Eurozone, which lies at its heart, was just ripped up by financial markets and thrown out of the proverbial window. While you slept, there was a fundamental repricing of risk in financial markets around Europe. We'll see shortly if that's around the rest of the world. You may see this called a panic, and the term conveys the emotions involved, but do not be misled. This is not a flash in the pan. Financial markets have taken a long, hard view at the fiscal and banking realities in Europe. They have also looked long and hard into the eyes, and they think the souls of politicians and policymakers including in Washington this weekend. The conclusion? Large parts of Europe are no longer investment grade. They are more like emerging markets, meaning higher yield, more risky, and in the descriptive, if overly evocative term, junk. This is not about uh, just Greece or Portugal or even Spain or even Italy. This is about the fundamental structure of the Eurozone, about the ability and willingness of the international community to restructure government debt in an orderly manner and about the need for currency depreciation across the Eurozone. It is presumably also about shared fiscal authority within the Eurozone, i.e., who will support whom and on what basis. Bankers are pounding tables all across Europe demanding that governments buy out their position or bring in the IMF to do the same. We again find ourselves approaching the point when the financial sector will scream, rescue us all or face global economic collapse, labs, 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 labs. The White House did not see this coming and the Treasury's attention was elsewhere. The idea that we can leave this to the Europeans to sort out is an idea of yesterday. Today is very different and much more scary. President Obama is wide awake and working hard. Somebody please tell him what is really going on. Well, Pete, I don't know whether you caught the news uh, about cosmetic surgery. Uh, this is, of course, has been seriously impacted by the economic crisis. Yeah, because it's elective surgery. It is elect. Cosmetic surgery is a luxury item, said Dr. Michael F. McGuire, the president of the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. Ooh, ooh, yeah, I mean, he admits to it. Ooh. Well, he 
does look like a doctor, but he doesn't perform like one, I think. Something like that. Anyway, here are the statistics for uh, uh, nose jobs. Uh, the number of nose jobs fell 8% in 2009. Well, that's a big nose drop. Yeah, it's a terrible <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's a nose dive. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Dave. Uh, breasts, if you're interested in breasts. I am, of course. Uh, I'm a isn't? guy. The number of breast augmentation procedures fell 6%. Well, then that's actually... Don't even go there. Don't, don't go there, Phil. No. Sagged. Sagged uh, 6%. Mm, you mean the Screen Actors Guild. Let's yeah. move right on to liposuction. So much fat. <laughs> this is the New York Times. So much fat. So much less of it removed. Uh, va- vacuumed up. Uh, liposuction dropped 19%. Did it say how much has been sucked Nin- up altogether? Uh, I don't think they have well, that statistic. It's pretty horrifying. Let me give you my favorite liposuction okay. true story. Read about it in The Gray Lady many yeah. years ago. There was a liposuction clinic in Miami that was selling the fat to an organization that rendered it down for biodiesel. So, I, I could be running so, on it right now. Oh, I could get off my fat ass, get my Mercedes that is powered by my fat ass. All right, I'm not finished with the uh, no, body body no, shape. No, keep Cal- going. Now, improbably enough. Yeah. Calves. 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 The the augmentation of calves has increased, but there were only like from 406 to 412 or something. Well, like the that. rumor is Schwarzenegger has calf implants. I'm got moving. them got them in in Austria, so maybe it's because he's such a popular governor or not. Okay, go ahead. Now, lips. Uh, more people did plump their lips. I have a statistic that you'll be interested Plumped in. Plump their lips. Plump, plump their lips. Yeah. Uh, and if you have an upper arm lift. Yeah, uh, you know that removes the jiggle. Those went up. Those I mean, went the up. jiggles went down, but the arms went up. Yeah, the arm. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, okay. The okay. jiggle procedures. Yes, yes it's the pits. Yeah, and then finally reaching the the bottom, as it were, the buttocks. Fewer people had their buttocks lifted <laughs> last year. Do they, do they mean stolen? <laughs> but I was I was just walking down the street, and all of a sudden, this guy came by and stole my butt. Right? Yeah, just L- took it right took it right off me. Well, okay, here now just to finish this absurd thing. I, uh, but yeah, I really don't like the whole idea of augmentation. Do you? Really? Well, yeah, I yes. think it's what a per- think? it's a personal decision. Yeah. I, I remember I was talking to one plastic surgeon a while ago. I said, "Why did you decide to become a plastic surgeon?" He says, "Because you're never on call." I don't uh, carry a beeper. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, okay, the least uh, minimally invasive, right, uh, procedure is, of course, Botox. Botox, yes. Okay. Last year, there were 4,795,357 injections of Botox at about 400 bucks a piece. 4 million. Seven hundred and ninety-five thousand. <laughs> no, no, plum, 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 plum. no, that's collagen. No, you got to go to collagen. Co- co- uh, you yeah. got to go to collagen. Now, uh, but, but now surgery. Uh, no, I know that's the injection. That's the forehead. Yeah, it's, 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 you're putting deadly toxins in so your, that you can smile regardless of how bad things are. And you're putting it right in your third eye. Yes. Now, some uh, there is some good like. Uh, elective surgery going mm-hmm. on, a cosmetic surgery. It's cosmetic. not actually elective. A team of surgeons has carried out the world's first full face transplant on a young Spanish farmer unable to breathe or eat on his own since accidentally shooting himself in the face five years ago. Ooh, it makes me shiver. During the 24-hour surgery, doctors lifted an entire face, including jaw, nose, cheekbones, muscles, teeth, and eyelids, and placed it mask-like onto the man, and he's doing fine. Sweet Charlene McGray, she was pretty as a posy in the springtime. Lighty die. She would twirl around all day, get dizzy and she'd fall down in a haze. Lighty die. And the country breeze passed slowly as I went to her. And I knocked upon her solid wooden door But her father, he just looked at me And said, leave her, I'll call the law So I cut her paw in half with a chainsaw Lighty-dye, 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 lighty-dye 
Archie and Jughead were their original names. I love them. Yeah. I grew up on them. Archie and, and Jughead. Jughead. And when the fireside manipulated them, they became uh, Porgy. Porgy and Mudhead. And Mudhead. Well, gee, Porge. Right. He was the great clown. The Hopi clown is the Mudhead. Uh, I think there was a transitional period of Drughead, but we got him through that. Yeah. Moved yeah. him right on. Well, Mud- mudhead. Archie is still around, to my it's great amazing. surprise. So is Dagwood and Blondie, by wow. the way, too. I can't believe that. They're historic. Yeah, whatever happened to women's liberation? Well, here's the thing. A new man is moving into Riverdale, the home of comics' perennial teenager Archie Andrews and his gang. His name, the new man, is Kevin Keller, and he's blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and gay. Kevin will be introduced in Veronica number 202 in a story entitled, Isn't It Bromantic? Isn't it bromantic? Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The inclusion of the character meets two uh, twin goals, one real world and one in story. Riverdale has to reflect the diversity of the world today. We want to be all inclusive. Uh, this is John Goldwater, the chief of the whatever syndication thing, thing, you know, whatever, yeah. guy who spokesman guy. Uh, it's completely in the tradition of your typical Archie comic. <laughs> ah, I don't think now he goes right off the tracks on that one, right? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I grew up on Archie Andrews, and the guys weren't really like fondling guys. No, they were trying to kiss Betty if you like blondes, and Veronica if you like Bruno. There you go. Veronica is always chasing guys, he said, uh, and getting what she wants. Okay, she's the she's the dark haired. Yeah, she's the oh, vamp. Okay. Yeah. Who could we introduce that she could not get? Ooh, she could use him as a beard. We're t- yeah. <laughs> Golly, mudhead. Well, what's, go- what's a beard? What's a beard? Well, it's that blonde guy that that that, that doesn't like girls, but hangs out with her so that she can get somebody else. It's very I, complicated. I think Riverdale High is going to be really confused about this. I'm no. I'm really impressed. I, I got to tell. You, well, do you know any other national comic? I don't mean you know our crumb. I mean a national comic that has a gay character. I don't. I don't follow the comic books, but. Uh, 
I haven't read any other story. I think it's quite amazing that it would happen in, in what must be a young teenager's comic book series. This can't appeal to girls over 13, But right? here's my question. They're putting a gay in Riverdale before they put in an African-American? Well, I, I don't. I, I mean, it's true. I haven't picked up an Archie comic mm-hmm. book uh, from the rack in a long time, but I don't hear anything there about the fact that this follows in the great liberalizing tradition, which included an African American, an Asian, a handicapped, you know, a, a teabagger, whatever it is. This is just let's go gay. Well, let's. Uh, my my feeling was having read this that really the next movie not should be Iron Man six or you know Batman twelve or you know those Veronica number two hundred and two with the gay guy. Edward Marcotte is looking for drugs that can kill tumors by stopping blood vessels growth, and he and his colleagues at the University of Texas at Austin recently found some good targets, five human genes that are essential for that growth. Now they're hunting for drugs that can stop those genes from working. Strangely, though, Dr. Marcotte did not discover the new genes in the human genome, nor in lab mice or even fruit flies. He and his colleagues found the genes in yeast. On the face of it, it's just crazy, Dr. Marcotte said. After all, these single-cell fungi don't make blood vessels. They don't even make blood. In yeast, it turns out these five genes work together on a completely unrelated task fixing cell walls. Dr. Marcotte and his colleagues have found genes associated with deafness in plants and genes associated with breast cancer in nematode worms. The scientists took advantage of a peculiar feature of our evolutionary history. In our distant amoeba-like ancestors, now I'm not sure I had an amoeba-like ancestor, but let's go with it, clusters of genes were already forming to work together on building cell walls and on other very basic tasks essential to life. Come to think of it, when I picture some of my relatives, they are kind of amoeba-like, so maybe I'll take that back. Many of those genes still work together in those same clusters over a billion years later, but on different tasks in different organisms. Studies like this offer a new twist on Charles Darwin's original ideas about evolution. Anatomists in the mid-1800s were fascinated by the underlying similarities of traits in different species. The fact that a bat's wing, for example, has all the same parts as a human hand. Darwin argued that this kind of similarity, also known as homology, was just a matter of genealogy. Bats and humans share a common ancestor, and thus they inherited limbs with five digits. Bats and humans with similar ancestors. Maybe that's why there's such a fascination with vampires. Some 150 years of research have amply confirmed Darwin's insight. Paleontologists, for example, have brought ambiguous homologies into sharp focus with the discovery of transitional fossils. A case in point is the connection between the blowholes of whales and dolphins and the nostrils of humans. Fossils show how the nostrils of ancestral whales move from the tip of the snout to the top of the head. In the 1950s, the study of homology entered a new phase. Scientists began to discover similarities in the structure of proteins. Different species have different forms of hemoglobin, for example. Each form is adapted to a particular way of life, but all descended from one ancestral molecule. When scientists started sequencing DNA, they were able to find homologies between genes as well. From generation to generation, genes sometimes get accidentally copied. Each copy goes on to pick up unique mutations, but their sequence remains similar enough to reveal their shared ancestry. A trait like an arm is encoded in many genes which cooperate with one another to build it. Some genes produce proteins that physically join together to do a job. In other cases, a protein encoded by one gene is required to switch on other genes. It turns out that clusters of these genes, sometimes called modules, tend to keep working together over the course of millions of years. But they get rewired along the way. They respond to new signals and act to help build new traits. Absolutely amazing, don't you think? Now, there are some people that say this is completely random. It's just evolution. It's just mutation and selection. And I'm I'm sure that's operative. Obviously, it is. But what about the building blocks? I mean, these genes, DNA, this is immense amounts of information. Who put that pattern together? Is it a pattern? These are the questions we should be asking ourselves instead of should gays marry or should there be prayers in the school or should 
politicians wear lapel pins and their birth certificates around their neck. Let's get serious. Well, Peter, we have to hand it, as it were, to Hugh Hefner once again. You know what he's done? No, what has Hugh done? With, Hugh? With, and remember, in fire sign language, he's Hilario Spacepipe. That's right. Hilario Spacepipe has once again saved the Hollywood sign. He has? Yeah. What, were they going to tear it down again? Well, you know, this was land uh, that we never knew it, but uh, Mount Cahuenga. The, the, um, the original settlement of uh, Los Angeles, right? The Kawengna Indians right here at the foot of Mount Kawengna. Well, it was owned by Howard Hughes, wouldn't you know? And uh, uh, it is on that property that they built uh, long ago the Hollywood sign. It didn't say Hollywood then. It said Hollywood by now, you know, Hollywood houses for sale. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. The original sign was Hollywood Land. That's right. Hollywood, Hollywood Land. Land. It was a subdivision. Were the letters as big? Big, same old big letters. They're oh. the same old big letters that the girl dived off of and killed herself in the 30s. You know, all those stories. About, it's the iconic sign, Hollywood, Hollywood. Yes. Well, I think you can remember when uh, it was falling down. Oh, yes, yes. And, well, saved by, here it is, saved by Hugh Hefner uh, in, that was, uh, let's see, as long ago as the late 70s. Well, it doesn't specific. He rallied donors to help rebuild it after several years of neglect and reduced its letters to skeletal metal and tattered panels. I remember it spit spelled smoke pot once. People would go up there in the middle of the night and change all the letters. You know, it's like a like a well, Scrabble the, game. In the 70s, Hollywood was pretty tattered. <laughs> it, yeah, everything was tattered. Well, that's what Mr. Hefner says. This town never had a good sense of its own history, never had good signs or markers for the sites and streets where so many internationally famous things have occurred. So he put another uh, $900,000 into buying the land and saving the Hollywood sign. So now the land is owned by the Hef, and the sign is has been refurbished. What good news, I guess. I, by the way, have spent a brief time in the, um, what do they call it, the mansion. Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter was going to school with Hefner's son uh, in elementary school, and they had a birthday party for him in the mansion. Wow. And so I drove up. It's everything you could imagine. The one thing they didn't do is they didn't load the place with bunnies for these 10-year-olds. Oh. I got to say that. But the place was redolent with bunny-ism. Mm -hmm. I mean, you knew what those rooms were built for. Mm. Not for playing, you know, uh, you know, skittles with the kids. It was, uh, it was pretty sensuous. Pretty you know? sensuous place. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> the, I have to tell you the, the, the killer on this. Hollywood Hill story is that they've had for the nine hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, they've had to re-sculpture the top of the hills, so that uh, when you're standing in on the flats down in L.A. and you're looking north at the hills, looks just like both of Hugh's girlfriends. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little ground groundbreaking. Well, what a swell guy. Um, is there anything on TV? I don't know. Oh, oh, oh yeah, wait, there's a... Phil? <clears throat> I have a note. I wanted to watch... Watch yeah, it, Hitler. Oh. That new comedy series about Roman slaves who adopt a baby they find in an East End junkyard. I heard about it. I heard about it. Yeah. It's in black and white, isn't it? I think so. It's yeah, something they new they're trying this Check year. film. Check film. Yeah, and no sound, too. No sound? Yeah, right. Uh, or we could watch Policeman and Son. That's another new one. A lovable Scottish doctor runs a whelk stall in pre-national health Neesden and tries to cope when his wife runs off with a Roman slave. I think oh. that those two, Watch It, Hitler, and Policeman and Son, are back-to-back. -back. That's how the Roman slave... That's on the homosexual channel, isn't it? Yeah, Channel 69. Channel 16, Channel 96, West oh, Coast. Oh, right, West Coast. <coughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <coughs> I'm sorry, there's, Doctor. There's, uh, there's some stuff on here. Now, this is... This is those uh, are today's listens from the Sunday. Yeah, this is right. Okay. Okay. What time Friday, is it? Great. Yeah. Well, let's see. But why don't we look seven at about 7 o'clock to okay. see when things started, you know? Yeah. There Seven o'clock. Wild say. world. I'll warm up this. The, the tragic, the tragic beauty of forgotten young girls is highlighted in slow motion art films, featured a breast, a thigh, and a moving kiss, now extinct. It's on Wild World. The host is Roland Gott. 
I remember That's Roland. It. You remember Roland God? He Roland was in Doctor uh, Manzabar yes. of Mystery Island, or that one. Which he, was it? He's got what it gets to take. What he's got? I remember he was on. He was on. Get it? Girls, girls around the girls. Yeah, used to do that show. Oh, but you wouldn't want to watch that because at nine there's the Beanbag Championship from Paris. Oh, good. Paris. From Paris. Oh, Paris, yeah. Paris. Many people were killed in this year's 70th anniversary running of the Grand Bean de Bog, oh, boy. which features some scenery of the surrounding electric wire factories. Oh, that's going to be exciting. Boy, is that coming it's in by satellite? Satellite. Yeah. satellite no, Benny Goodman do the music on that? I think yeah. there was a <coughs> big accident in that. Channel four people fell down. Uh -huh. really? Channel uh, yeah. Channel 13 has that sitcom. <laughs> you know that sitcom. Sit point, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sitcom. Where are your papers? <laughs> oh yeah, right. It's a travel. <laughs> show. Oh, it's a travel show. Yeah, no, I thought this was, but this is this is real. The Brunts wind their, uh, up their round-the-globe trot with the gay passport festival of Japan. Yeah, they had stars. As Harold is imprisoned yeah, right, right. by Harold is traditional imprisoned. holiday police. Isn't that that? That must be an exciting episode. <laughs> like the ones in Venice that have the big swords yeah. and the red yeah. flags. What's on the uh, channel? <laughs> no, how, how about FHA? I would, rather, I would rather watch the FHA. Right. Because uh, it's more cultural. On Channel 22, for instance, is a really nice discussion show, uh, program. It is written down. Oh, in which yeah. Uh, yeah. Father Yakov Bertman yeah. of the National Metallurgical Religious Conflagration disputes Dagwood Bumstead, oh. a lay preacher from Hollywood, California. Yeah. Topic: The True Last Words of Charles Manson. Sixty oh, minutes. Oh, that's a big Dagwood. Dagwood. They're pretty good on it. Dagwood's been that. missing, you know. Now, no, uh, no, no, two no. days. Yeah, here's, last time I saw him, he's been killed Here's the by special. His wife, There's a special uh, every hour, even if you have to watch on Channel 28. Negroes a go go. Oh, big yes. special. Modern woman's attempt to remove herself from the traditional restraints of Negroes, elks, and people with hair on different parts of their bodies. Yeah. Three Negro hippie drug users, in quotes, are featured in a discussion titled Modern Day Life. Confusing? Yes, or right on, or not? Which is happily not resolved in this program. The women become entranced with the Negro hippie Spanish-speaking drug cultures and leave with them in a 1964 Plymouth that one of the guys just traded for a pound of sugared grass. No, no. Hey, listen, Darlene Yakamoto is 90 minutes of that. Great, that's watching. on tape. Hey, did you see Yes, Mistress? Did you see that's Yes, good. Mistress last Thursday? Yeah. Because it, they had a thing on this. Oh, he did. The guy over there did. The, son, the son of the Danny son, Thomas. Danny Thomas and uh, and Lily Stein and the yeah. kid. They overhear him in the bathroom going through the secret door, and they think he says that he's a drug user. But what he really is is he's a drug userer, and he's making a fortune lending money on drugs. Oh. Incredible. Like they Father don't find like that son. out until Father Like the Son. Same guy. Like, like Father Like Son. That's, that's coming up, show. too. Yes, right. that's next year. Dr. Knows, the same guy, is also on Channel 40 in Tijuana now. After that, it's just a children's program, Creepies. Creepies. <laughs> well, there's some great the watching. That's a tie-in with the food, uh, isn't it? Now, 7.30, yeah. oh, but now it's at 7.30, so late now. This is a great show, even though it's kind of a rerun, I think. Hobo Heroes. I didn't know that. What? Yeah, with oh. radio patrols combing the area with radio combs, Andy and Dagwood decide to use Commander Roosevelt's two-way wrist handcuffs to broadcast <laughs> good jokes to the Chinese. Oh, <laughs> That's great. Boy. Andy Gump, Horace Wong, Dagwood Bumstead, Horace Height. Uh, horse, height. Horse, horse height. Horse height. Horse height. Different fella. Horse Used to play ball. That's his drug drop. He was my couch. A coach. Horse ah. height. Horse height. Yeah. Horse height. Listen, there's a big musical special on Channel Four at 7:30. Hall of Corridors. <laughs> a musical? Yeah, Hall of Corridors. You know, that's I that, can't that's, get that's, that, that's the series. That's the series. The Littlest Marine. It's called. Oh, it's real charming. Yeah, right. Charles Everett Wilson Gump's ideal all people's family show. Little li little Squeezy Whitaker of UTV's Emmy award-winning Everybody's Negro stars as Hideo Bumstead. Hideo Bumstead. It's the Japanese cassette that's free right. show that they won't let us have for a year. The little the li he plays the littlest marine on a Christmas Eve. An Xmas Eve search. They must be saving space here. Uh, uh, an Xmas Eve search and destroy mission in the Holy Land. Mm. As the patrol nears Hollywood Boulevard, Hideo remembers that he's forgotten his heart. Directed mm. and coached by Dr. Carl Schickelgruber, Secretary of Health, Education, and Sickness, choreographed by General Ivan the Terrible Gruber. Mm. Original songs include Who I Who Am I, What Time Is It, and Where Is Your Passport? <laughs> right. oh, good. That's good. a great Those one. are all musical questions. That's a great one. That's a special one. At the same time, though, Phil and Peter, you'll be glad to hear there's a uh, movie drama, Lame Duck, 1966. We can watch that while the, the guys are watching the other yeah. thing. Right, right. No sure. We can watch Lame Duck. What's yeah. it about? A detective is killed by his three sons and rich uncle in a battle over motion picture rights. Daisy is portrayed by Lark Albatross and yeah. Donald 
It's portrayed by Andrew Gump. Oh, yeah? That's Is 90 Minutes. That? But at the same time, there's a movie on, a Western scalp, oh. The Schnifter, 1935. Oh, that's a good old one. Hey, Rancher, listen to this. I'll tape that one on, on okay. videotape. We can watch Will, it later. Well, I think this is the one. Rancher Dick Nixon has to make up his mind soon. Oh, I've been wanting to get that one. I'll tape that on the, on the new cartridge machine. Right. Great. Okay, go Either ahead. drop that bomb on the sheep yeah, men or yeah. lose his daughter to jazz musicians. Oh, oh what a dilemma. Hey. Look at who's in it. Frank Roosevelt. Barbara Bobo, Adolf Hitler, and Donald Duck. Oh, that's great. What a great <laughs> flick. I remember the poster for that. <laughs> right. Remember that? Hand in hand. Let me make over sure the, the TV's There's working. a plane that's Can not on Give me back my hand. Give me back my hand. Right. Yeah, we've talked about so much of these things. There we go. There it comes in. Now. Oh, there, the that's Franklin Roosevelt. That's not the TV. That's the radio. Oh, leave it on for a second. No, no. The, oh, don't the, the TV. The well, the TV is supposed well, to have only one plug in here. Just a minute. Just a minute. Let me see if I can put it in here. You know, Peter, I, a story in the paper reminded me of when I was a teenager growing up. I guess I was a um, senior in high school, and I had a job at a, um, a wonderful corner drugstore. And it had a soda fountain, and I was a soda jerk and made— Really? You know, oh, yeah, absolutely. And you made the molts in those real— can, you real know, metal molds, cans, you know, oh. Coca-Cola syrup, the real stuff with, uh, you know, oh, it's great. You could make, you know, cherry sundaes and all that sort of Archie Andrews kind of stuff, yeah, right? Right. So, um, but there were there were a couple of things that we had to do then that one doesn't have to do now. One of them was that we had to wrap up in brown paper. All of the Kotex and uh, Modes, the women's products, uh, packages, we had to wrap them up in brown paper so that if you didn't want to come, if you were a woman and you didn't want to be seen buying this, you could just pick up one that was already wrapped. That, yep, that was one of the jobs. And, uh, you know, one of the funny things was guys who came into the store and sort of sidled around and you didn't, you know, and I figured, finally I learned that these were guys who wanted condoms, rubbers, as we called them then, right? Yep. And there was a drawer and it had rubbers in it. And, you know, guy. You know, there's the guy who's always walked in. I like about 50 of them them rubbers, you know, and Trojans, you know. Give me them Trojans. And but the other guy said, I wonder if you have, you know. What'd you say? Or rubbers. Well, yeah. Okay. So so here's how life has changed. There's a hip-hop contest now to promote Magnum. Now, Magnum, I don't go rubber shopping these days, so I can only tell you from reading that Magnum is the Trojan sub-brand of large condoms. Large. Yeah, large condoms, and they have climbed steadily from 4.6% of the condom market 10 years ago to 18.8%. Do you think that supersizing actually has a... Uh -huh. Well, now they're going to start a, an advertising campaign called the Magnum Live Large Project. Now, I, Magnum in the first place is a word that is so loaded with connotations that it would take us a half an hour just to run through the jokes, let alone the serious. Is it a bullet it. or is it champagne? Exactly, you know? exactly. Okay, so um, okay, rappers. It's a it's a ra rappers song contest. You're supposed to write songs about. Have this. you got some lyrics for me? Uh, unfortunately, it's a contest. See, awesome. but you can listen to Ludacris, Kid Rock, Lil Wayne, and Eminem, who have all mentioned this product. In their lyrics already. You telling me that Eminem? I, I like Lil Wayne. I do, and I like I, well, I like I, Ludacris Roll no, Out. It's no. one of my favorite songs. You, these guys are doing product placement. Well, they're doing sure. Don't you think they're talking about Crystal and whatever else is going on in the neighborhood? Okay. But they are being paid for that. <laughs> Here they're being paid. No, 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 no. no they're just, well. He's not. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, here he is. It's going to be Ludacris. That's a ludicrous name for a guy. He's a good-looking guy. The company claims that Magnum is the most popular condom among African Americans, citing internal research <laughs> that indicates they account for 22% of all condom purchases, but 40% of Magnum purchases. So now we're, I'm getting to the point here. The Magnum, I hope so. The Magnum brand is viewed as a positive lifestyle badge and a positive symbol, Mr. Daniels said, and people are proud to show that they have a Magnum condom. The large size really connotes a sense of above-average prowess, let's call it. <laughs> so there you are, and, uh, and the same guy who said, well, we could, uh, he said, I think the concept of 
having more sizes is a real benefit to the industry. You know, if it's only, you know, one size fits all. That's what always said about rubbers. But you could never market them as small, medium, and large because... They weren't big enough. No, no one would buy the then. small. No, no one would buy the small. I have the, what kind of rubber? What size? I want a magnum. Dave, a couple of days ago, you came in here to the studio with that apparent census form, which turned out to be a GOP trick to get people without knowing it uh, to re-register or change their registration to Republican. And it caused such an outcry that the House of Representatives almost unanimously has already passed a bill making it illegal. You know, I mean, I had no idea when I brought it in. It was just a curiosity. Funny, look at this. And it was a huge story just bopped out of it immediately. Well, because it's the census. Yeah. If anything is supposed to be not about politics, although there are a lot of politics about who gets counted and such, but generally, you know, the, the Constitution says, let's have a census. Okay, well, you think they'd stop? No. According to authorities in Orange County, California, right, they're launching an investigation into possible voter registration fraud after a local newspaper reported over 100 cases of voters being tricked into registering as Republicans by petitioners who asked them to sign petitions for, among other things, 
legalizing pot. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man. Vote gop. Yeah. <laughs> Vote yeah, pot. Yeah. yeah. You want pot, go gop. Uh, it, it's just, it's amazing the lengths to which they go. They want to suppress, they want to suppress uh, minority voting and the, and the poor. At the same time, they want to cheat. They want, if they vote, they got to trick those people into voting GOP or at least registering GOP so they can't vote in a Democratic primary. Yeah, right. oh. yeah. Well, that is, that's, a, that's a dirty trick that was confined just to that one area of L.A., though. I think this census thing went out nationally. All right? over. And yeah. who knows how many others there are. I mean, Orange County, that's, that's, that is deep Republican territory, too. Oh, although, yes. although with Loretta Sanchez coming in a while ago, there's a lot of uh, Latino voting, Hispanic voting, so maybe they're scared. Well, the Republicans, I mean, you know, if they aren't cheating, they're complaining. The Republican National Committee... Uh, accused recently accused President Obama of making, and I'm quoting here, an appeal based on class warfare and race. Hmm. After Obama hmm. outlined his party's midterm strategy of returning people who voted for the first time in 2008 to the polls in November. Obama said Democrats must appeal to young people, African-Americans, Latinos, and women who powered our victory in 2008. We want them to stand together with us once again. Mm-hmm. Well, the RNC mm-hmm. spokesman Doug Hayes was appalled. He said, our post-racial president mm-hmm. has made an appeal based on class warfare and race. Wow. Um, what's the matter with class warfare? I have no problem with class warfare since we're already victims of the class war. I mean, you, you look at Goldman Sachs of crap and all of that, and they've declared war on the American people. They certainly declared war on their clients, and, and they have uh, these large pension funds of their clients, and that's the average guys and the average gals. So, yeah, we're at war. It, it, it's a metaphor. But, you know, class war is, is, is energizing. I think it only frightens Republicans. Well, I should be sad when Oz comes to an end for a day, but I know at least I get a final poem from Dave. You do, absolutely. And we're, uh, we're dealing with new words that I've discovered and using uh, a, a new word in a poem. Seems like the best way to understand it. Um, words are, in this case, this is two words, deep homology. Deep homology. Okay. A little galaxy of genes, a cluster all by themselves could, for instance, create an eye, if they wanted to, these happy genes. Perhaps it's their enlightened choice to assemble spots upon a fish's back, or they could be specialists in the semi-permeable membrane. Or not. Or, depending on the eon, who can say what any deeply homologous bunch of atomic bomblets in your every cell might come up with next, since it seems as if the move is theirs? You've just had a lot of Oz in your ears. We certainly have. And hey, a special greeting out there to Sarah Bell in Raleigh. She's an Oz listener. Oz team. I'm Peter Bergman, your host. My co-host, David Osman. Bill McIntyre is our producer. Dave Maloney is our audio engineer. Phil Fountain does all the graphics. And John Cummings keeps the ones and zeros coming. See you tomorrow. <laughs>